0: Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as
1: always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And
0: I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast This is our third team preview. We will be doing the Penn State Nittany Lions, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Third team that we're going to be breaking down uh, is the Minnesota Golden Gophers, Kurt. The third team that we broke down on the previous podcast was the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I don't know if you know this, but they are opening up the Big Ten season Thursday, the 31st. And I am proud to finally officially announce the eyes on big podcast will be sponsoring another get together and eyes on big tailgate sponsored by the Amador whiskey company. Finally, we have got it figured
1: out, Kurt, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Really looking forward to this. We've done this before. It's been a blast every time. Um, I will. So of course we just finalized this. I have not, you know, booked my travel accommodations yet, but I can guarantee I will be there for sure for that game and cannot wait to sip some Amador. can't wait to to meet and greet and chat with listeners and we're going to be recording at the same time. If you are at the tailgate, can we promise that we interview you or talk to you? No, but we'll do
0: our best to get around to as many people that can show up at the tailgate. We did one two years ago. This one will be in lots. 37. We were in the Sky Yuma lot two years ago. We're, we're switching it up a little bit. We're going to be in lot 37. Uh, we did also did a tailgate in uh, Champagne uh, before the Nebraska game, but we will be right by the bank, uh, ready to meet people. There will be no monies exchanged, right? There, there, there will be nothing for sale. It's not that type of thing. It's just going to be A a tailgate with some of our best listeners, which I would definitely consider the Minnesota Gophers and Nebraska Cornhuskers as some of our best listeners. Uh, So we hope as many of you as possible can uh, come out to the tailgate. This is the first time announcing it. We will get more and more details out as the next two or three weeks goes by. Pretty exciting stuff. I I cannot wait to do this.
1: Yeah, because we didn't do one last year it was two years ago it's been two years since we've done one of these that's correct i don't exactly know how it went down last year and how we didn't pull
0: it off but hey you know what as i keep saying on this podcast the past is prologue let's let's look to the future and the future is we're going to have a nice party here for the nebraska minnesota game i i can't i can't wait i think it's going to be a blast
1: yeah in 21 we did one in week zero and then turned right around the next thursday for week one and did one yeah (laughs) We had a, it was like Correct. returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown and then kind of
0: just falling asleep after that, which happens. Uh, Ohio state, uh, versus Florida championship oh. game, Iowa versus USC orange bowl, 2002, 2003 season.
1: It actually does happen. There's there's Here, here's there, another one. Go here's ahead. Another one. Uh, would have been 1995 in Champaign, USC and Illinois, Illinois drives straight down the field, opening kickoff, kicks a field goal, three points. The up three nothing on usc the eventual rose bowl champion final score 55 to three (laughs) you can't you can't you can't relax too much you know after that first (laughs) score that you put on there you got to keep
0: going maybe maybe we'll learn from these mistakes so anyways like i said we'll get more details out all right a couple other things housekeeping items as they say ohio state athletic director gene smith retires gotta say that's a big one (laughs) i mean I I know this. If you put a Mount Rushmore of Big Ten athletic directors up there, I got to think Gene Smith is
1: one of the four. I don't know if he's the dean right now of ADs, but he's got to be close to it. He's been doing it for some time. Boy, I got to think he is, isn't he? Uh,
0: I think so. And I got to say, I mean, we're losing a good one with Gene Smith.
1: Well, Um, we're we're losing a good one, a really influential one. But the thing that my mind first goes to is, remember, when we were looking for a commissioner, his name was thrown out there by everybody. So probably a good, probably that's a reason why he's not the commissioner, but probably also a good thing that he wasn't chosen commissioner.
0: You want you and you know, another reason why Gene Smith didn't take the Big Ten commissioner role because he's too smart for that. I I mean, honestly, like his his career is already cemented. There's no reason for him to take that job and take on that responsibility. Probably knew a lot of what was coming to the Big Ten, a lot of work, a lot of things that I wouldn't think. I think he's 67 years old. Um, so he's you know, not not exactly falling off the face of the earth, but
1: he's not a young man either. Yeah. I tell you, I'm 48 and I'm already done with work, so I can't even imagine it's 67. I would say, and it, it part of that is
0: fighting the accomplishments, you know, like once you're that accomplished is what I mean. I got to think the motivation is not there quite as much as it used to, but that's, I mean that as that is one of, if not the most accomplished athletic directors in Big Ten history. I'm sure Michigan fans and some other Big 10 fans are hurling at this but you got to call facts the facts and and that guy had an aura um when he walked in the room when he talked you could just tell that he commanded power um and i i got to say whoever is the next athletic director at Ohio State it's obviously a big hire for Ohio State i think you could pretty easily make the argument that it's a big hire for all of the Big 10 so i I hope no they do a good. I, okay, I think that's fair. I, no, so. that
1: that's a great point because I mean Ohio State and Michigan represent the Big Ten at the highest levels, and you know USC is going to be coming in doing the same thing. You can throw Penn State in there, so you have to have a great person in that position as a Big Ten fan.
0: Absolutely, and I hope it's somebody that has a great tradition, or a great history of the tradition of the Big Ten, and I hope it's somebody that has the eye of keeping the Big Ten together as we move forward, because that's going to be something that, unfortunately, is going to be more and more important. Okay, to the top of the Big Ten, then we go kind of in the opposite direction. Uh, We'll just get through this real quick. But the Northwestern football team wore some T-shirts at football camp this week, basically supporting Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I'm sure the thought behind it was in a good place, but the uh, actual – throughput of of the t-shirts and how they came
1: off to the general public, not so much. Yeah, not a, not a great decision there. It's probably just something right now, just stay away from it for a number of reasons, just the blowback you could potentially get, but also you're trying to focus on the season right now. Why would you even possibly throw some meat out to the dogs to, to attack? I, I I agree. It doesn't I, make any sense. And, and I'm questioning the, the decision-making here. Like I'm is, is this something is, we're going to... like? Is this a, a harbinger of the season here? And and I don't know if this is the wrong take or not, but I, I
0: don't really blame David Braun for this. I, I mean, he's put in such a awkward situation. I mean, I've joked with people. I'm, I've watched a lot of the Big Ten camp tours, you know, the Big Ten crews going around. Um, I said that as they were breaking down Northwestern, they could have been playing funeral music in the background. That's the feeling I got from the crew. And even when they interviewed David Braun, they said, you know, coach, what do you think? Long pause. And he's like, we, uh, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> okay. Like it wasn't a good. And then right after that, you turn around and rip out these t-shirts. I can even understand having a quiet support, for Fitzy behind the scenes, maybe no, you yes. break a huddle, but you got to keep that stuff in house. That's the cool part of being a part of a football team is we get to be a part of this and the outside and the public doesn't get to see it. This was putting too much of the stuff that needs to be close at heart and putting it outside. and just, just wasn't a good look. Yeah. Put it on the whiteboard that never gets out there. <laughs> well played. Well played. All right. Moving on. Okay. Big story. I, think of the day or the last two days uh the more names were released from the and i i guess i don't exactly know where these are coming from i, I think they're coming from the IR, irgc which is the iowa racing and gaming commission the dci of iowa is also a part of this too long story short more names attached to the iowa and iowa state gambling fiasco i don't even know exactly what you call it um More, I mean, knock knock on wood as an Iowa fan, as I say this, but um, more has come out on Iowa State. I mean, it looks like they're starting running back, uh, quarterback, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, all bet on either NCAA games or on Iowa State football games themselves. So they are probably going to be gone. Um, Looking on the Iowa side, we already knew about a backup kicker. He's gone. An ex-wide receiver. He's going to be done with the NCA he he was he moved down south his career will be over um and X another def- uh, wide receiver different wide receiver still not on the team then um there's been other names floated around but it looks like a walk-on wide receiver so I guess our wide receiver room was <laughs> really in on the gam- the gambling part of it uh, but so far there hasn't been a, a ton of depth chart hits. For Iowa, but this thing still rages on. I don't know if any of us knows when this thing's gonna end, but I I have to think it's not just Iowa and Iowa State fans that feel nervous about this sometimes.
1: Yeah, the the crazy thing is it's right before the season. We have no idea when the hammer's gonna come down, if it's gonna come down before the season, if they're gonna start the season, then suddenly have suspensions. How long are these suspensions gonna be? This look, we have predictions to make. Can we get to the bottom of this and figure out what the suspensions are so I can make my season predictions? (laughs) That's the important part, I think. So obviously, the
0: funny thing is, is we are thinking about that. Truth truth be told, Iowa went to the back of the burner for me for teams to break down because I wanted to see how far out we could get into uh, August before we broke down Iowa because I still think, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, direct messages and texts going on between Iowa fans right now, there still could be two or three or four guys that are contributors to the football team that could be out two or three or four games. We still don't know. I, I, I wish I could break the news, but I I, I couldn't tell you what it is. Um, But overall, I think the question that Iowa fans and Iowa state fans keep, keep asking is why us, How, how did this happen in the state of Iowa? Is that a, Is that a viable question for Iowa and Iowa State fans to be asking right now, Kurt?
1: Hmm. So I have always accepted the fact that there's got to be some amount of gambling. I mean, there's been numerous scandals that have happened over the years. I guess when I was younger, I was kind of surprised. But then I'm not not naive to think this isn't happening right now. Okay. But it is, so it is weird that okay, it's probably happening in every state to some, well, it is to, to some degree it's happening in every state. So why is, why is this coming out right now? Was it just so rampant that, that it, it came to light where, where was everyone just so flippant that, and, and careless that, that there was so much evidence that, that something had to happen? Right. I'm not sure. I don't think any of us are. I mean,
0: we, we have an idea of where it came from, which is uh, a slip up between Hunter Decker and his mom, uh, where she shared too much information with an entity, shall we say. And that's what essentially threw the rock at the hornet's nest and 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 just more and more has come out of it. Um, I, I guess I would reiterate over and over. There is no way that athletes just in the Iowa and Iowa state athletic departments are the only ones that have put bets together in the past two or three years. Um, The openness of talking about gambling uh, you see lines for college football games on the screen all the time, by the way, it'll be curious to see if ESPN and Fox and everybody that was doing this, are they going to flash the lines on these football games this coming season?
1: after all of this stuff that's that's gone down? I'm not well, saying the answer, I know. The answer to that is yes, they will, because okay. it, it helps viewership. But I will say also, I think it's more rampant than even I realized before this came out, because you look at some of the the numbers of bets that were placed, like Arlen Bruce, I saw the number today, and I guess, it's, I, I'm not sure this is confirmed, but it was in the 20s somewhere that he placed, number of bets he placed on the Iowa football team. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a... That's just one guy. So imagine how many bets are placed by guys on their teams throughout the entire country every year. If there's anything I can say with
0: confidence, it's that 19-year-old dudes are good at making bad decisions all over the world, all over the country. It's not just Jermaine to Iowa. So, like, it's hard for me to believe that this ain't just happened in Iowa. And I just want to say this, like, Iowa State so far seems to be hit harder than this than anybody but if i could blink all of this out of existence and all of the Iowa state starters were back on the roster i swear i would do it i'm not that vindictive i just i hate all of this that's going on and then i i do want to say if you do the crime do the time okay so these student athletes knew that this is illegal okay they knew this was against the rules so they're going to get what's coming to them. I I well, don't have. Go
1: ahead. And as you know, this is drilled into players. Do not do this. Absolutely. It's nobody. Nobody could possibly. There's no gray area. I didn't know it was wrong. No. They yeah. they
0: hear it all the time. All the time. Um. So so certainly there there's no defense there. So what I'm going to say next, I hope, doesn't sound like defense. It's just. I guess I would just love if Twitter could show some nuance. And I laugh as I say that because I know that's impossible. But do you remember being 19 or 20 years old, 47 or 58 year old person? You weren't as good of a decision maker when you were that age. And everybody's looking at this from a grown adult point of view. And essentially, a lot of these people just, these kids just thought they could get away with it. You know, they've signed it under their parents' names, they've done stuff like that. But how did they get snagged? With geofencing, okay? A a technological, you know, big brother looking at where these kids are placing the bets on their phone. And they're getting them, okay? I guess my point, yeah, I'm going to go there real quick. Politicians on both sides of the aisle, want to be clear here, both sides of the aisle, we all know these crooked people have insights to where, to what, Industry is going to get funding. They cash in on this insider trading, and they make money off of it all the time. This has been going on for years and years. Those people aren't going to get touched. But by gosh, Kurt, we are going to bring the hammer down on a 20-year-old for placing an under bet in the Iowa State game when you know damn well that thing's going under. It's barely even a gamble to begin with. I, okay, I'm off my, my soapbox there real quick, but well, these, I just I, I find year olds, the
1: irony. I mean, these 19-year-olds are corrupting society. Obviously. So obviously, that's what's happening. Also, I will tell you, I'm not going to say where I went to school at, but the university I attended, there were plenty of stories about the team gambling back then. You and I and a a,
0: a buddy that we talked to, on the phone today, we all shared stories of things that we had been aware of. Gambling in college football is its not new. My guess is, it's you you're, you ever heard the story that basically after they figured out how to take photographs, some of the first photographs were of nude women? My guess is pretty much as soon as they figured out that you could gamble on college sports, People were gambling on college sports. So my, my take is, and, and our guy, Mark Shipper, he would probably be the best historian that we could have to talk about this. This stuff's been going on forever. It's 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 just more prevalent now because of the app-based stuff, but you don't have to have a state that has app-based gambling allowed to have gambling.
1: And like, it's we know this is oh, happening. Okay. It's going to continue to happen. Okay. Uh, another story about 19 and 20 year olds. On my dorm floor at the unnamed school, we had a bookie. We had a floor bookie. Sure. It was just a guy who was, and by the way, he was related to a guy who had played football at th- this unnamed school. <laughs> a really famous guy that had played at the school.
0: Every single person that's gone through that level of football has some sort of story about that. That's That's just the facts of it. I'll be honest with you. I'm being completely honest. I was so amazingly naive to this stuff all through college. I swear when I was on the Iowa football team, I'm not just saying this to save face or something like that. It just didn't make sense to me. It wasn't until my first job out of college, working in a quote unquote professional office setting where one of my coworkers was a bookie and explained to me how this stuff works. And I'm like, Ooh, I like this. This sounds interesting. And anyways, that's, that's, that's how things, you know, start from there. But anyways, we will see where this goes. Anything else you want to add on that topic?
1: No, other than I live really close to a casino that has a sports book now. Good for you, sir.
0: Still waiting on the state of Minnesota to get around and uh, make that legal because I'm not on the football team and I'm certainly over the age of 21. All right, let's get into the team previews. First up, The 2023 Penn State Nittany Lions shout out to Jake Myers at CFB Jake. And, of course, our guy Perk, I have confirmation he's got the spreadsheets almost ready to go to help us out. Uh, Make sure you check out Jake Myers' podcast, the Get Back Coach pod. Last five years for the Penn State Nittany Lions, 42 And 19, that's a 69% winning percentage, fourth in the Big Ten. Last year, 11-2, Rose Bowl champions. Franklin sucks! That's my joke, right? I mean, everybody is talking about how James Franklin all the time, it just seems like. Penn State fans, too. Going into his ninth year, I think he's a pretty darn good coach. Got the squad ready to go. Defensive coordinator Manny Diaz. Offensive coordinator Mike Yersich. Big Kurt, what are we
1: thinking about? the Nittany Lions. Yeah. You kind of beat me to the punch. I, I was going to start by saying, I just feel really horrible for these poor fans. These Nittany, <laughs> Nittany Lion fans that they had to watch their team lose two games last year, both to college football playoff teams. I'm not sure how they tolerate it year in and year out, but just overall, I want to say I I'm looking at the roster and what is coming back. And again, looking at Athlon, the bold type is, is returning starter there's a ton of bold type. And then if you look at uh, like, for instance, pick six previews does returning production on offense. They're 101st in the country in returning production. But I think that number is basically because they lost Clifford. And so now, right. You know, the era parents coming in. So I, and then I go back to the end of last year and how they were playing last year. And I think there's a lot to be excited about right now. I guess so. I mean, you know, and,
0: This is the third of the big three that we broke down. I'm sure we'll talk more about this in, you know, the big predictions pod, but the top three, the top three of the top five, maybe six, you know, maybe half of the top six teams in the country are in this conference, in my opinion, and Penn State is is firmly one of them. I've even seen, you know, curmudgeonly national pundits that, Very much love them, some SEC. Even some of those people have come around to what Penn State is looking like. And I think a lot of what they're seeing is what we're going to break down now, which is what this roster depth chart looks like. So looking at the offense, eight returning starters is what I have. For the 33rd ranked offense from last year and the 19th ranked scoring offense, just short of 36 points per game, lost quarterback, Sean uh, Clifford and wide receiver Parker Washington. But other than that, we got a ton of people coming back. You know what? Let's start with the offensive line. Can we do that, Kurt? How do you feel about that? Mm. I, I, I love that. Okay. I mean, the int- <laughs> the entire offensive line is coming back for Penn State. An offensive line that you and I, Kurt, have been asking for years on this podcast. Get your poop in a group and start wrecking people. Boy, did they wreck people last year.
1: Yeah, I've got four out of five returning. Juice Scruggs, the center, I believe, has moved on. But other than that, everybody's back. They got one of the best tackles in the country. They were playing great last year, and I expect it to only get better this year. Uh, pick six has them ranked the third offensive line, which is probably where i put them. Maybe second, but I could see them by the end of the year. I could see this potentially being the best line in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I, I for me... I- I'm going to put this offensive line firmly number two, and and not to tick you off Michigan fans, but they're on your heels to be yeah. the best offensive line in the Big Ten. I don't think there's even a doubt. In fact, I would say it's for Shell that Olu is going to be the top-picked uh, uh, offensive lineman out of the Big Ten in this draft. I, guess, I, I think I was wrong. I had uh, Norzad, the uh, senior center, as a returner. But long story short, I – as as an old Big Ten dude, I love to see a Penn State rushing attack crush people. And that's what this offensive line did. The one thing I would say is if they start blowing people out this year, which I believe they will, they're they're gonna want to work in some younger guys into the rotation because almost all of these guys, like the only one that I can see coming back is Tangwell, the guard. Otherwise, they're gonna have a completely new offensive line. So that's the one thing I would point out. The other reason that they are been amazing in the rushing attack is behind the offensive line we got some running backs that are just incredible
1: okay so nick singleton is obviously the top guy so he broke a thousand yards last year 12 touchdowns i didn't realize until started breaking this down how close katron allen was to a thousand yards yeah he finished with 867 if you just asked me i would have said oh like six to seven hundred yards no, he was like one good game away from being a thousand yard rusher. So we had a 1,000 plus and an 800 plus rusher last year. Now we got that same line coming back. We've got the same two running backs. We have potential for a dual thousand yard backfield here. And I'll give James Franklin
0: credit. He talked over and over again last year about this time that, you know, everybody was talking about Nick Singleton, but he kept singling out Catron Allen saying, Hey, this guy's special too. <laughs> and that, that played out. I mean, you know, and, and of course the debate I suppose would be is the, did the offensive line improve that much or did they just get absolutely freak shows to play the running back spot? I don't know what it is either way, but I tell you what, it, it's, it's impressive to watch. And then in our pair in the spare you know, theme that we have going with these pot, uh, podcasts, Trey Potts, a, a name that Minnesota fans and Big Ten West fans would would know very well, comes over, comes back home to be the third running back, which is huge. You know, I mean, it's tough for two guys to go the whole season without getting hurt, knock on wood on that. Uh, but but that's where uh, the, the pair in the square is at. So then that gets but, but, us... And to... let's,
1: let's pause right there.
0: Imagine that being your third running back. It's insane. Wow. It's insane. I mean... There were times when, I, I think it was when Mo Ibrahim went down, Trey Potts was the best running back on Minnesota's roster, and he was good. He it was it was a really good running back. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. So that's the things we know for sure, right, is the O-line and the running backs. Now we get into the parts of the offense that have a little bit more question marks. So let's go ahead and go right to quarterback Drew, praise be Alar, Aller. It's actually pronounced Aller. So I'm just kind of having fun with that. What do you think, Kurt? Where is your, you know, if I gave you a one in 10 confidence rating, 10 being most confident, where are you at
1: with your expectations of Drew Aller heading into the season? Okay. I love this question because I've been wrestling with this in my head. So we know he didn't beat out Clifford, but Clifford, you know, very good quarterback, statistically the best one ever. But at the same time, Penn State fans got impatient with him. Uh, he was a five star out of Medina, Ohio. Um, I, I the thing is, I want him to be the guy. So know. I'm wrestling between my heart and my mind. My mind tells me I'm like I'm like a seven out of ten right now. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so my mind tells me, that. my heart says I want to see a ten out of ten. I th- and I think what you're saying is,
0: I I. I... We want there to be, if it's not our team, we want there to be an elite team in the Big Ten. Is that yeah. fair? Okay. Yeah. Um. In order for Penn State to be an elite team, we know it's going to have to come from Drew Aller in this passing attack. All positives, okay, here. When he's gotten in, which in a lot of times has been in odd situations, you know, like he didn't know he was going to uh, play. He was thrust into it. Like you think about Purdue to start the year. He's looked good. Now we just got to see it over the season because that is really the only quote unquote missing piece that I see to take this Penn state team from being 11 and two Rose bowl champs. Good to winning the big 10 college football playoff champs.
1: But the thing is, I don't think he has to be elite for them to be elite. I think he just has to be really good. Let's think of like Michigan. Um, with J.J. McCarthy. He was an elite quarterback, but he was a pretty darn good. I think, I think what he has around him, they could be Michigan. Um, if he's J.J. McCarthy. Okay. Um, wow. I'm going to try to synapse
0: this. Uh, I agree and disagree. I think they can potentially win the Big Ten with him being good, but not elite. But I'd feel a lot better about them winning the Big Ten if he's elite. And I don't think they could win the national championship unless Drew Aller is either elite or nearly elite. So and
1: w- and Michigan has not won it, but that's a great segue to the next potential question mark, which is the wide receiver group. And it's not because I don't think they have talent; they they got plenty of talent. But we're just used to somebody being jump off the page, excellent on in the wide receiver group. So I think we both like
0: Keandre Lambert Smith. Correct, KLS is going to rock you. Um, but I think we want KLS to rock out in the second role, maybe even the slot role. And I think Penn State fans want Dante Cephas to be that guy. He's in from Kent State. All right. In from, uh, 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 the, uh, the, the Mac, excuse me. He's, he's looked great. Okay. He's got great stuff on film. Can he be that guy? It's hard to say with extreme confidence, but I,
1: I do think he's a good piece. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I obviously, so they not only have Dante Cephas, but also Malik McLean from Florida State. They're going to lean heavily on those two guys. And behind them, there's a lot of young talent. So all I'm asking for is for one or two of those guys to step up and have big seasons. Agreed. And if that like- happens... Yeah, it's a big good deal. Things can happen. Yep. Yeah. The other two guys
0: would be Harris, Harris Harrison Wallace, the third. And then watch out for Amari Evans, the speed guy, uh, for out of the wide receivers. But I will say their tight ends are established. Theo Johnson has been a great Big Ten tight end for a while, and I think he'll continue to be in. Tyler Warren, another tight end. So don't forget about the tight ends, okay? If you factor in the tight ends to the receiving core, you, you have to understand that this pumps this this group up. But in order for it to be great, it's got to be a combination of Aller and these wide receivers. Should we move on to the defense, please? All right, please. Good old four three, right? That's what we like out of this defense. Manny Diaz goes to town. We got we got our defensive line that is okay. It's defensive and it's defensive and friendly. And the one guy that I still doesn't, I don't think, gets enough credit. <laughs> Is Chop Robinson, yeah, which 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 you know kills Rutgers fans. Adiza Isaac, I feel like maybe is a name that Big Ten fans are are more familiar with. But I tell you what, and then along with Vanover, and then I, I got one here. Okay, Danny Dennis Sutton, right? DDS. EDS. So he's got to be the dentist, right? That's gotta the be dentist, the Yes, that's got to be the the nickname here.
1: <laughs>
0: Tim Watley.
1: So, <Wattley>. so <laughs> if you're not pulling for this guy, you're an anti dentite
0: so we got a chop and we got a dentist in this in the defensive end and the edges so there is no debating the edge rushers and in a division with ohio state and i put michigan in there too where getting after the quarterback is key they've got that covered on this defensive line it's it's kind of incredible
1: yeah they got that part covered they got to replace pj mustafer inside so if there's They might be a little soft inside, at least to start the season. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, they're going to get after the quarterback.
0: But as far as soft inside, I mean, Hakeem Beeman, Ellis, Izzard, Zane Durant, I don't know. Okay,
1: I'm not saying, okay, maybe I misphrased that.
2: It just, the
1: the middle's not going to be as strong as the ends. Very well put. Now, there was a while where I
0: think Penn State fans were concerned about the middle of the defense. But I think they're just pick, picking nets at that point. I, I think the whole defensive line is going to be great. Moving into
1: the linebackers. Kurt, we got we got some good linebackers here, too. Yeah, you heard of Curtis Jacobs. You heard of El- <laughs> Abdul Carter. I, and you got another returning s- starter besides those guys. These guys are going to be some of the best in the league. Again, um, I, I would say, you know, Tyler El- Elsdon probably the
0: weakest of the bunch, but that's mostly because he's being compared to the other two. Abdul Carter. Okay. My guy, Jake thinks they're going to move him all around. He's going to be flex cash star. That's how Manny Diaz wants to use him is you never know where that guy is going to line up. Kind of like a certain dude for the Dallas Cowboys named Micah Parsons. That's going to be his role on this defense. So Mm. watch out for him for all big 10 player of the year type of stuff. Oh, by the way, they have Kobe King, somebody that's been rumored to be a stud ever since he's been on co- campus. And then Tony Rojas is a freshman. Apparently he's been looking great ever since he's been on campus. So mm. that's the front seven. Now we get into the defensive backs who probably have the highest rated person in the entire Big Ten for defensive players for where he's going to get drafted, and that's quarterback Kalen King.
1: Yeah, Kalen King is a stud. Um of course, you got safety Jair Brown coming back too. So Jair Brown's gone. Just, Jair Brown's gone. That's that's oh, they're big. yep. That's why they're big. Oh, last. I'm sorry. No big deal. No- yep. Oh, I'm I'm looking. I'm never mind. Keaton Ellis no. is who I was Keaton referring okay. to. Yep. Uh, sorry, was reading the wrong note there. So, but looking at Kaylin King, we know he's going to be awesome. We know he's going to be dominant. Can Johnny Dixon be dominant on the other side? Yep. And one, you know, obviously. Ohio State, Michigan, right?
0: That's what they're that that's that's what they're gonna have to attack. Now, Michigan's gonna try to run at you. Don't get me wrong, but we'll see. I mean, the pat the better passing attack teams in the league. I would guess that's what they're gonna try to do. Let's see what those outside edges are. With a couple people missing there, but in the end, DaQuan Hardy, Kevin Winston, uh, Jalen Reed. I mean, dude, there's 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 still tons of talent, and it's just hard for me to believe that it's not gonna look good at least by. Well, you know, late September.
1: And then also remember the way they looked in the bowl game. I just saw there was something I know, like they had a few guys sitting out. It was just it there was like um there was a hunger from the youngsters that got to play that sure. I was like, Oh boy, yep. next year these guys it would be something, yeah. And and I'll say this too, is just like seeing
0: their interviews on the camp tour, these guys just look loose and ready to go. It just looks like they're having fun out there. Um, a little bit on the passing game of concern, the other Concern could be on special teams. We got new guys at kicker and punter. Uh, We got transfers in. There could be a tight game in there. One would think the tight game is probably going to come within two or three opponents that will kind of break down here. So something to keep in in a track of for for the Nittany Lions. All right. Breaking down the schedule. um, We're going to start out (laughs) 2-0 against West Virginia and Delaware. And they're going to beat Northwestern. Okay sandwiched between them I do have to say here you know at Illinois and then Iowa at home I was the whiteout game it's it's hard for me to see Iowa coming out of there with the victory but I gotta tell you that that early trip to Illinois that's that's an interesting one right there
1: and I would say especially because it's early knowing that the the Illinois defense is going to be spicy, probably right out of the gate. You've got a young quarterback who's not super experienced. So I could see them potentially getting bitten there. Isn't it interesting that they play all three of their West opponents right in a row, right at the start of the season? At Illinois, Iowa, at Northwestern.
0: That I don't know if I've yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that. By the way, unless my notes are wrong, that I that at Illinois game, Kurt, Penn State is playing their first Big Ten game on the road for the 14th time in the last. 15 years. Right, look, that,
1: that's not an accident. <laughs> it can't be. Oh, all right.
0: Oh, I
3: mean, by the if way. you've
1: ever played roulette and bet on red and black, it's not an accident. <laughs>
0: okay? All right. So getting us through uh, mid-October, because by the way, they play UMass. It's uh, just hard for me to believe their idle week, you know, uh, pretty early in October. That's not, that's not ideal. I don't know. Worst case scenario that I can see them being is five and one, but I would think 6-0 and oh, and then the big game. Yeah. They, they go to Ohio State. Ugh. Indiana at Maryland before Michigan, Rutgers and at Michigan State. So you pretty much break this schedule down to essentially two games at Ohio State and Michigan with a little bit of flair to, towards at Illinois and, and Iowa at home. But what do you got? You can start out with. Let's go scariest game. What do you What do you have for for Penn State? So
1: it's a little tough to do because of who I chose for the biggest game. I yeah, I guess I could have chosen the same, but I went at Ohio State as the That's, scariest. As game. the scariest, sure, because you're on got the it. road. So, okay, your aspirations are to win the East, right? Yeah. So you got to you got to figure that Michigan is the team to beat. So. You got to you got to beat Ohio State going going into Michigan, don't you? And, and what you're saying is, place.
0: if you don't beat Ohio State, that's the scare. Is you feel like yes. you're almost out of it? Okay. Yeah, I see you working are, there. Which okay. you're not,
1: I guess. That if you beat Michigan head to head, but all right, I, I, that is scariest.
0: I'll, I'll go through my I'll go through two really quick. I mean, at Illinois is my scariest. Okay, um, I can may, see that. Maybe a little bit distracted by the whiteout game the week before. So, so all of a sudden, you find yourself in a dogfight, which we've seen Illinois and Penn State do, right? In, in recent nine recent o- times, nine OTs. Nine okay, OTs. so that is my scariest that I have for for my biggest game is is at Ohio State. So I guess I got a little mm-hmm. bit of a take on that because if they roll into that game, you know, six and zero, and they beat Ohio State, like I'm not saying that that wraps up. You know the Big Ten title for him, but that puts him very high up on the list to be able to get there because the only game after that that you know it would make it, uh, that you can see him losing is Michigan. As far as curb stomp, I mean, you you could you could pick a lot a lot of games here. W- what I picked w- was at Maryland. Okay, they have that, curb stomp okay. Maryland quite a bit.
1: I I picked the same one, by the way.
0: And, and I think the reason I picked it is because it's a quote unquote rival. We know it's not really a rival Penn State fans, but you got to stay focused in that game because it's the week before Michigan. So okay. if you roll into the Michigan game after
1: curb stomping Maryland, that's that's what you want to see so this is how confident I am in Penn State. Yes, that's a look ahead type of game where you could get nipped, right? Because you got Michigan the next week. I see them just gaining momentum at this point in the season and just curb stomping them, knowing that we want to prove a point before we go to play Michigan. I have much of the same feelings. Over under yeah. set
0: at nine and a half. What do you think? This wasn't very hard for me. I'm going over. I'm going over too. And that probably means I'm going to go over the season total for both Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. I feel very good that you're going to hit two out of three of those bets. If you do that, And you got a chance to go three and zero with the overs if you if you bet all three of those games teams because if they all wind up eleven and one, which by the way is Jake's biggest nightmare for how that works out. (laughs) If the three of them are eleven and one, you you would hit the over in every single one of those. Well, I gotta say I'm kind of gaga about this team, and I'm never gaga. Yep. Speaking of gaga, my guy Jake Myers, he'll go gaga a little bit with his Penn State. Uh, Nittany Lions so let's hear
3: from our guy Jake what's up Eyes on Big listeners this is Jake your token Penn State fan really excited about this year probably the most excited I've ever been for a Penn State football season to start five-star quarterback finally taking the helm with Drew Aller Uh, some of the best running backs in the country a finally a great offensive line a pair of great tight ends defensively maybe the most complete defensive team we've ever seen at penn state in quite some time and that my friends is saying something my prediction this year is 11 and one they're gonna have a they're gonna have a slip up but 11 and one big 10 title playoff and my friends everyone is saying that this is this is the year for Penn State. But honestly, this is only the beginning. We are. All right, next
0: up, we got the 2023 Iowa Hawkeyes. Shout out to the typical people that I give shout outs to. My brothers and cousins and buddies that we all share Iowa football information with. Scott Docterman of The Athletic puts out amazing amounts of great information shout out to our guy chris hassel came on the podcast he's a big hawkeye fan and shout out to my guy zed man too specifically we might have a little something there for you a little bit later what has i would done the last five years 43 and 18 that is a 70 percent winning percentage which is good for third in the big 10 our kirk ferrence he sucks all right, Kirk Ferentz going into his 25th year on the job. We don't have to look this one up like we did with Gene. He is definitely the dean of Big Ten coaches, the dean of all coaches in college football. Who's his defensive coordinator? It's a guy that most people in the Big Ten have gotten to know. Phil Parker, offensive coordinator. Mm, draw a blank, Kurt. I, I don't know. I don't have it in my notes here who the offensive coordinator
1: is for Iowa. But all maybe I have. Out. I just have his initials, BF. Okay, BF, yeah, all right. That sounds familiar. In fact, right. I I have his initials, BF, and behind that, I have three letters, SMH. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess that's, that's as good a spot as any. What What are you thinking about the
1: 2023 Iowa Hawkeyes? Well, overall, I, I, I'm thinking good thoughts. In fact, I, I'm thinking better than last year. And I'm basing that mostly on personnel. I will say the big question mark I have is that BF character. And I know you've gone over some of the stats, what he's done prior to the last two years, but that doesn't mean the last two years didn't happen. And I'll get into a little bit more. We had the quarterback situation. We also had an offensive line situation. And, And I'm sorry, but it's the OC's job to correct those things. We didn't see a whole lot of correction going on. So that- that's as I tell you what I I wish people on Twitter could
0: state things as you know professionally I think is the best word I can use there as you did there I I, I don't think Brian Ferens would sh- shed any doubt on the fact that especially last year but the year before as well isn't good, isn't good enough I mean I don't know how anybody could look at what happened and say that that's good enough. It's been it's been horrible. It's been horrible as a Iowa fan. I'm sure it was horrible for the players and coaches as well. Um, a really quick synapse is, is like, you know, what happened last year? My take on it is, is this, is to try to boil it down. You know what I was thinking is like trying to figure out why Iowa's offense was so bad last year rem- reminds me of a Weezer song, the sweater song, Undone, where, you know, you pull the string as I walk away. You start pulling at one thing and, and it all just kind of unravels. That's 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 the explanation of mm. what happened. But really, the biggest thing to me was the combination of really bad pass pro coupled with a quarterback that is more looks more like that Caitlin Clark butter statue that's at the Iowa State Fair right now for as, as far as the mobility and then taking these, these weren't just two or three yard sacks, Kurt. These were ginormous sacks that were being taken. And it just absolutely killed this offense along with the fact that there was no wide receivers to throw to because everybody
1: was,
0: I, I told you, I don't know where to stop.
1: Okay. And then, so it's, that's a great transition into one thing I really want to say about Cade McNamara. Okay. So this is, Totally different quarterback. Obviously the biggest change in the roster that Iowa has is Cade McNamara transferring from Michigan, played in a a college football playoff. We all know that. But it's not just that he's a good quarterback, that he's competent, that he's proficient. The thing I'm looking forward to is a quarterback for Iowa having confidence, which we have not seen since Nate Stanley. I thought you were going to say mobility. Because even Nate Stanley. My point I'm trying to make is throw the physical stuff aside. Yeah. I'm looking for a confident quarterback, and I think we'll have that.
0: I think we'll have that with Cade McNamara. Now, I don't want to be, I don't want to rain on Hawkeye fans parade, but I like Cade McNamara. I think some Iowa fans need to kind of bring it down a little for what they're expecting out of Cade McNamara. I think his leadership skills are off the charts. You you won't find me talking to anybody off the ledge as far as as leadership skills. Actual raw abilities are good, certainly a step up from what we've seen recently, but mo- the best thing that we could kind of hope for is a is an efficient quarterback that can get out of trouble and throw with his legs sometime. That is just something that Iowa hasn't had I'm expecting that to be better. Uh, Backups, Deacon Hill, uh, that apparently looked pretty good in camp, but there's no doubt that Cade McNamara is the starter. And then I would switch to the offensive line. Maybe this is where uh, I screwed up on the last podcast, but Iowa does have all five starters back from a young offensive line from last year. Uh, KF has been... Talking up the offensive line quite a bit here in the preseason, saying how much better they look. Kurt, they got to look better if this offense is going to look better.
1: Well, yeah, they got to look better, but they probably can't look that much worse. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they've only lost one guy from the two deep, I think. Correct. Is that yep. Yeah, Jack Plum, I believe, is the only from the two deep that they have lost.
0: Yeah, by the end of the year, he was a, he was a two deep guy, but a sometimes starter. Across but there's
1: the There's the old adage of the good news is we got everyone back, the bad sure. news is we got everyone back. Correct. But but I expect to see I expect to be much improved.
0: Across the line, left tackle to right, Richmond, Colby, Logan Jones, Bo Stevens on right tackle. It's either going to be Nick DeYong back or new guy Dejon Parker. Then we also got Rusty Feth, who's in Jennings Dunker, who's the champion of the soul and beef days, hail bait, hail. Uh, 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 hay bale, geez, sorry, hay bale toss. That's that's a big deal. And our guy Tyler that, Ellsbury, shout out to Rockdown there.
1: That is a huge deal,
0: huge deal. The hay bale, I'll say so. Our Richmond, the left tackle, was playing some good football by the end of the year, and so is Connor Colby. Logan Jones, the center, that is where Iowa fans, Kirk Ferentz, everybody is expecting the biggest jump to happen. His snaps were off. From the get-go at the beginning of the year, he was learning on the job. The, the The rumor is he's back feeling comfortable. The offensive line looks better. Let's see if that's the case. In order for the offensive line to look better, uh, that would mean it would open up holes for our pair that is coming back as well. Caleb Johnson and LaShawn Williams, what do you think about those two
1: running backs for the Hawkeyes? Well, LaShawn Williams, I like, I think he's solid. Caleb Johnson, though, I think has a higher upside than a back I've seen at Iowa in quite some time. I don't know. I'm like Akram Wadley. I think maybe he's, he's probably got a higher upside than Akram. I'm not sure how far you'd have to go back. You'd probably have to throw a few names out, but it's just been a tick since we've seen someone this talented at the running back position. Sean Green won the Doak Walker in two thousand eight,
0: so that would be you know certainly back. But we're talking fifteen years ago. Yeah, that's a long time. time. Um, And then Jazz Patterson is is the spare Uh, again. I I hope I don't mean to be wet blanket here, Hawkeye fans. I like me some Caleb Johnson. I'm just a little confused on if his style, which is a slasher style. Mm fits in with the zone blocking scheme. Yeah. I believe he that's, would be a, Yeah. Is that fair? That's a fair Yeah, that's a fair criticism. When he gets outside and he's got room, love him. He's powerful and a strider. He looks great. Um, you know, I just you know I just could. wonder if I just wonder if he would be better behind a hat on hat offensive line. Maybe
1: I'm picking nits here with this, but yeah. it's just well, I don't know. Line. I, it's almost like you could go to the offensive coordinator. This fella that we referred to and say, well, maybe we should play to the strengths of, of the roster and maybe switch things up a little bit. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Just yeah. thought. Yeah. Now I'm going to surprise Iowa fans. Cause I'm going to talk
0: about maybe not so much a strength, but something that I believe is going to look quite a bit better this year than it did last year. And it's the, the receiving core. Now there will not be a singular talent that will be on this roster like Sam Laporta. That is a big loss that, you know, nobody's going to be able to, to make up for it, but we got two talented tight ends in Luke Lachey and over from Michigan, Eric all now people have been comparing them to Fanton Hawkinson. They're not that, but I believe they have a good chance to be Fant and Hawkinson light.
1: Yeah. Eric, he can do it all. Luke. He's not Nick Lachey. I think it's a great tandem and I, I kind of want to get on to talking about, believe it or not, wide okay. receivers.
0: All right. Th- so this is my, I always got one Hawkeye that I've really got my my eyes on. If healthy, I, I hate to give that caveat, but if healthy, I think Deontay Vines, number zero, he looked good when he had the chance to get the ball thrown to him. <laughs> in, in healthy, when he was actually healthy and had the ball delivered to him, he caught it and did things with it. Rumor has is he has been looking great in all through spring and camp. I'm very excited to see what Deontay Vines
1: can do. Okay. So let's assume he's going to have a solid year. You got Nico Ragaini. Nice work. I don't know how many years. I'm not sure how many years he's been playing, but it's, it's been a, a while. Right. Yeah. And then of <laughs> Kirk course, Ferentz,
0: Kirk Ferentz joke that he's essentially a part of the coaching staff at this point. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yep. But then also the Ohio state transfer, of course, everyone knows Caleb Brown from the Chicago Catholic oh. league, St. Rita high school, which is probably about a half hour's drive for, 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 for uh, where I am right now. This is a potent. We just named five guys that you got to account for. I would say, yeah, can, I, would, can, I, would, can, I would say. believe Niko, that? Uh, Nico, Vines, Seth
0: Anderson. Uh, I can't remember if you said him over from Charleston Southern. Caleb Brown, Luke Lachey, Eric Hall. And by, and by the way, I think Addison Estrengia and Steven Stolano the other backup tight ends are, are solid too. So it is thin at the wide receiver, okay? We have... I think two or three guys that we feel really good about. Hey, Iowa fans, chill out with Caleb Brown, okay? He's still a redshirt freshman. He just got to campus. He's yeah. not going to look like Chris Olave his first day on, on the job. Just give him some time. But and long, and, and long story short, it looks way better than it did at this time last
1: year. And I always like to say, if you transfer, you're no longer a five-star or four-star. You're You're less than that at this point.
0: That's fair to say. Yeah. So long story short, the offense will look better. However, explosive, consistent, need to be realistic here. But even the 80th ranked offense, up from the numbers, which, by the way, I never gave, 129th ranked uh, offense and the 122nd ranked scoring offense. So if we're somewhere around the, what I would think they're shooting for, like the 80th or 90th total ranked offense and the 50th or 60th ranked scoring offense, because this is going to be, Always geared towards a higher scoring offense than total offense, tied in with the efficiency
1: of the quarterback. That's what the goal is here. I just had déjà vu. We had this exact conversation exactly a year ago,
0: and it did. I'm not, not joking. We did. It did not transpire. Did I wasn't not. expecting almost the entire wide receiver and half the offensive line to get injured in camp. Ugh, hope that doesn't happen this year. Hey, let's, let's talk about something fun for Iowa fans, all right? Let's talk about the defense. Um, okay. Oh, I thought you were
1: going to say punter.
0: Yeah, well, we can get there too. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I just said, let's talk about something positive. I'm again going to throw a wet blanket over this. You know how, for years, I was actually on this podcast annoyed that people were doubting the Iowa defense every year. And I kept telling people, you don't understand. It's going to be fine. We have guys coming up. Phil Parker is the dude. It has now gotten to the point Kurt where everybody is giving Iowa and Phil Parker their, 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 their respect that they do deserve, but dude, it's not going to be as good of a defense as it was last year. That was an all timer of a defense. And I almost want to like find some music to play in this part of the podcast because Jack Campbell no offense to 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 Riley Moss and Benson and, and some other, you know, stu, du, uh, dudes, studs, sorry, that we have had on this offense or defense. Dude, Jack Campbell was per, possibly the greatest Iowa Hawkeye that's played, that's had the, the uniform on for the last 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Iowa fans are paying enough attention to the fact that him leaving – is going to leave a gigantic void on some of the
1: things that Phil Parker was able to do the last couple of years. Okay. Speaking of deja vu, I do this every year. There's no way that the Iowa Hawkeyes can replace everything. They lost all those NFL players, all those all big 10 players, impossible. They don't recruit in the top 10 in the country. They don't recruit in the top 20 in the country. That's never going to happen. They're going to take a huge step back. Although this time, I mean it, but not really. They're gonna take a step back, is yes. what I'm gonna say. I'm I'm prepared to say that. I'm also prepared to say it's still gonna be a really good defense. Yes, I I would be
0: shocked if they were outside the top 20 in yes. total defense. That that yes. it would really surprise me if they got that far out. But to expect them to be in the top two or three, you know, like we've seen out of these last couple of years, that that's a bridge too far for me. But one thing that makes me feel confident is breaking down the
1: front line of the defense. This is a very deep defensive line. Yeah. Noah Shannon, Joe Evans both come back for their sixth year. I mean, I don't, again, Nika Regani. Like, by the way, all these guys can rent cars at this point and legally gamble. Just, just, just not on the Hawkeyes or any NCAA events. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so here's but the it's, point. It's just
1: amazing how many.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dudes are coming back, yeah, yeah. Older dudes, and let me say well, by, is, oh, hold on,
1: Logan Lee, fifth year. I mean, Logan Lee as well. Th- there's yep. a ton of experience up front, and, yep. and and of course, where they're probably weaker is linebacker. So, what helps a linebacker more than a bunch of guys in front of them that have experience?
0: For sure. Shout out to to defensive line coach Kelvin Bell. He just does an excellent job. You know what I was thinking, Kurt. This is essentially, I don't know if it's the opposite, but it's the yin and the yang to Illinois defensive line. Maybe you know where I'm going with this, but Illinois defensive line has the probably the best defensive line in the entire Big Ten. And then another guy that's in the top five, you know, as far as defensive lineman in the Big Ten. I don't know if I see an all-star from Iowa's defensive line, but I see seven to eight to nine guys that they can rotate in. That are all above average or or good to really good guys. I'm not sure if I see the absolute stud. Whereas you know Illinois' defensive line is a little thin,
1: right? And, and I think maybe a casual fan will say, "Oh, well, you know, big deal if they don't have any studs." No, that's a big deal on defensive line. If you can rotate eight or nine guys, that makes everyone so much better. Because Because there's no fatigue that sets in
0: the freshness. And then, you know, knock on wood, any kind of injuries with that being said, with my statement of, of, I'm not sure if there's any superstars, the two superstars that I would have the potential to be are Deontay Craig and Aaron Graves. Those would be the two guys that I think most Iowa fans uh, would point out.
1: You know, I, I, I had forgotten about Graves.
0: Yeah. He's good. (laughs) Um, All right. So moving on to the linebackers, I'll just one more time. The the gap that, you know, Jack Campbell has left is is huge. So we have a huge step back. The step back from linebackers last year to this year is a bigger step back than any position on this team. It could be as big of a step back as any position in the Big Ten
1: West. I don't know if I'm being
0: dramatic with that or not.
1: No. So my notes to you is who do we like? Because I, I don't know. I want. I just want to hear you talk about it. I like Jay
0: Higgins. Jay Higgins played a lot of football last year when we had injuries at the linebackers. So I feel great about Jay Higgins. Jay Higgins isn't a difference maker. He is a, but he'll make the play. All right. So I feel good. A guy that people are hoping is going to be the playmaker and the guy is Nick Jackson, who transferred in from Virginia, two-time ACC linebacker, I think First team and second team ACC linebacker. This guy knows how to tackle the football. The early signs out of camp is that he's he's drinking from a fire hose right now. But hopefully, you know, he stays healthy, learns the defense. That's somebody that the staff is looking at. Outside of that, Carson Sharar is injured. Okay, that's a guy that they were expecting to play. Uh, don't know how healthy he is. Kyler Fisher, Jaden Harrell, and I guess Keon Entringer is a name to look out for is somebody that uh, uh, Iowa fans uh, uh, might be impressed with soon. But long story short, it's a bunch of unproven guys outside of Jay Higgins. All right, moving into the secondary. Now we get back into what should be another strength of the team uh, as an Iowa fan. The same love affair (laughs) that I have with Jack Campbell, I might also have with quarterback Cooper DeJean.
1: Yeah, CDJ, as I like to call him. Of course, then you've got the X Man as well, who's played sparingly up to this point. But when he's played, he's looked fantastic. Z- Xavier Nuwampa, is and that Wampa. how I say it? And Nuampa. Yep. Yep. Wow. I mean, those guys together. I mean, the safety and corner combination right there. And then you throw in Quinn Schulte, yep. and it doesn't even matter who else you're playing back there. Yeah, there
0: is a there is a machine somewhere that makes free safeties and safeties like Quinn Schulte. There seems to be one on the Iowa uh, uh, defensive backfield all the time. Um, then I, one guy that I feel like because of the Cooper DeGene and Xavier and Wampa, you know, love affair that rightfully Iowa fans have, Sebastian Castro has been, the. he was the guy that really blossomed into that cash position last year. He can play safety. I think he could play corner if he wanted to. I mean, he basically does that out of the cash all the time. That dude is good. But what they need is to build depth in the cornerbacks, which is going to come from Jamari Harris, TJ Hall, and Deshaun Lee. Rough moments out of all of those guys at certain times. But most of the time, they were put into tough situations. And I think we're to (laughs) to the point with our defensive backs being coached by Phil Parker that we assume that they're going to be a formidable group by the time we get to mid-October.
1: I'm confident in that.
0: Yeah. All right. And then another bonus on the team. Shout out to another coach, special teams coach, LeVar Woods. This is the best kicker and punter duo, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. Uh, This was the freshman kicker of the year in Drew Stevens and a guy that drops the panties all over the globe from here to the southern border. Punter Tory Taylor, absolutely incredible. We get one more year of watching these incredible Big Ten punters with Tory Taylor.
1: Yeah, not fair because I want Blake Hayes back for one year. Tory Taylor seems like he's been around since the Bush administration, <laughs> the George H.W. Bush <laughs> administration, and Drew Stevens. Doesn't that just sound like an Iowa kicker? Like it a, sure does a reliable yep. Iowa kicker. It, uh, I mean, you could, like, how it, do you care? About his accolades last year. Just give me his name. Yeah, he's going to be good. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, feel very good. And, you know, the type of style of of ball that that Iowa plays, certainly punter comes into play, but kicker does as well. All right, looking at the schedule, Utah State and Western Michigan are two of the three non-cons. They are borderline awful. Uh, they have Western Michigan is essentially they've got more players playing in the Big Ten than they do for Western Michigan for how many guys uh, they've lost. Utah State, kind of the same thing, coaching changes and stuff like that. just hard for me to see those games uh, being an an issue. The second game is on the road at, at Ames. Knowing what you know about Iowa State, what's your thoughts on, on the CyHawk game?
1: Knowing what I know about Iowa State and the players that aren't playing, I'm feeling pretty good for Iowa right now. Yeah, so I am feeling – no, I, that is
0: not to completely gloss over the Cyclones, okay? They are going to bow up and give Iowa everything they want. It's just my opinion that this is a better football team than Iowa State, and they've had a lot of success in Ames recently. So I, I think Iowa starts 3-0, but then they go into Happy Valley. Tough for me to see a win there. Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, at Camp Randall, Minnesota at home, then they get their Idle Week. So the Idle Week is late, right before Halloween. Uh, Northwestern, pretty much assuming that's a win. Rutgers, and then a really interesting kick. Illinois at home, and then at Nebraska. So uh, more of an interesting schedule than tough schedule when you miss Michigan and Ohio State from the east, but you get Penn State and you have to go on the road to, to play them.
4: Yeah,
1: you go on the road to play Penn State, so I'm just kind of chalking that up as a loss. Not that they can't win that game, but you know when you just you're going through the schedule, nicking off loss win, and I'm counting that as a loss. But I don't like other than that, pretty good draw from the East. Michigan State at home, you're playing Rutgers. Yep, I'm so yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about the schedule.
0: Yeah, I mean when you when you go through the auto win auto losses. um, I don't, I don't know if there's a complete auto loss, but there's an extremely high percentage loss yeah. versus Penn State, so we'll just kind of assume that's the case. Then it becomes like kind of the round-robin Big Ten West that we had talked about, which is Iowa has to go to Madtown but get Illinois at home. I mean, one could say, now I'm not forgetting Nebraska on Black Friday, but you know those two games mix in a, a, a Nebraska, maybe Purdue – Those are the tough games for the West. What do you
1: have for the scariest game for the Hawkeyes? Okay. This, it was tough to me, tough for me to come to this conclusion. But then the more I thought about it, I'm just sticking with Purdue, like the old Purdue, you know, uh, just montage, like they, they never play Purdue well. And and I said, well, a new coaching staff. I don't know. It's still going to be a heavy pass-based offense. It's going to be something that the Hawkeyes aren't used to seeing. So I'm sticking with Purdue. Yeah, I, I, I guess I have to
0: now see what Purdue looks like post-Jeff Brom. I mean, this is a still going to be a different person attacking the Phil Parker defense. So for Graham Harrell, the first time he's attacking this defense, I guess I'll have to see it. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't see a lot of scary games in here because I can't put Illinois as a scary game. I can't put Wisconsin as a scary game. And I can't put Penn state as a scary game. Unless you think I was going to get blown out. The only really scary game I see is at Nebraska on black Friday. Mm. Losing to them two years in a row. One, one year in a row mm. was, was agonizing enough at one point I would have had Iowa state, but I think Iowa wins that game. So Can't be losing. And it's on the road. You know, it's in Memorial Stadium. We think Rule will have Nebraska playing, at least looking a little bit better by the end of the year. Uh, Biggest game. What do you got for biggest game?
1: Biggest game because I think the West goes through either Madison or Iowa City. I'm going at the Wisconsin Badgers and the history as well. Just throwing the history with Iowa having difficulty beating the Badgers. I'm going, I'm just following the same old, same old that we've been seeing for a number of years here.
0: Sometimes the obvious answer is the correct one, and I agree. Uh, if Iowa gets out of Madtown with a win, is a trip to Indianas- Indianapolis guaranteed? No, but you're in the upper, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 percentile uh, as far as getting to Indianapolis at that point. For curb stomp, you know, you go first because I,
1: I, I want to put some emphasis on my curb stomp. Staying with the same theme. Same old, same old. Minnesota. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't think I was going to curb stomp
0: Minnesota, but that would be fun. Uh, uh, Minnesota has not won in Kinnick Stadium since 1999. Your, okay, your, your, hold your, on. boy, your boy was still in,
1: in uniform the last time they won. That's insane. Okay, hold on. the The game we went to a few years ago in Minneapolis. Yep. I don't remember the score, but I'm just off the top of my head going to say like 27 to 10 sound about right. Yeah, you're talking the the Pandy year when we we're the, the only Pandy ones in year the crowd. 2020. Yep. Would you call that a curb stomping? Because I would.
0: That was a curb stomping. Um, hard to put that in the normal realm because that wasn't a normal year and that wasn't a normal Minnesota team. But I'll just say this much: that was fun. I don't see a curb stomp versus Minnesota, especially coming right off the Madison game. In fact, I thought about maybe putting Minnesota as a scary game. My curb stomp is Good Iowa point. State. I, I would absolutely love yeah. if we walked into Ames and just dog walked that football team and their fans. I would enjoy that very much. All right. The over under
1: is set at 8.5. What do you think? Kurt? Okay. Don't feel great, but I feel good on the over. Now I started with a bunch of unders. Now I'm, I'm kind of flipping over to a bunch of overs. So I think at the end, I'm going to even out fairly well. So I don't feel too bad about this. I got to go over. I've got over the 8.5 as
0: well. I'm not sure if I am as adamant about it as some of the uh, Iowa fans on Twitter are where Iowa fans are saying anything less than two wins is a complete failure. Um, That's putting it a little bit too far out there, but I will say to expect 10 wins from this football team is certainly not a bad thing that could happen. So that's the Iowa Hawkeyes for Kurt and I. Let's hear... From one of my best friends, it's the Pharaoh Zedman to give his thoughts on the Iowa
2: Hawkeyes. What's up, eyes on big listeners? It's the Zedman uh, giving a breakdown of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, really excited to do so because these Hawks, who knows what they're going to do? National pundits have an eleven-win season, a five-win season. Who knows where they're going to land? Uh, I have some concerns with the DBs. We're we're a little thin back there. Um, after our starting four, um, it's going to be a, a rotation of many, and we have no idea what that quality looks like. Uh, other than that, our front seven is really solid with the addition of Nick Jackson uh, to go along with Higgins uh, to, in that linebacking core. Um, I think where I see the biggest improvement is obviously at quarterback uh, with Cade McNamara stepping in, uh, but we also have Logan Jones coming back at center. That was a weak spot for the Hawks last year, and I I think with a year under his belt, we're going to have a really solid offensive line. The running game is there. And then the addition of Eric Hall and then also Brown from Ohio State adds a one-two punch with Lachey. That's going to be exciting to watch for Hawk fans. So I'm really excited to party like we're on Olive Court in 2003, (laughs) watching people ride down scooters and and having great times. Um, So my prediction for Hawks, we're going to go 10 and 2. And Booker and I are going to be back to Indy, baby. How do you like that, EJ? (laughs) Go Hawks.
0: The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving on to the... 2023 Minnesota Golden Gophers, shout out to podcast favorite Ryan Burns, also to our guy, Norwegian Gopher, Danimal, Brian, we got, you know, boat, it's hard, it's hard to know where to stop the the, the Gopher uh, uh, boat, I guess you could say when you start naming off all the fans.
1: They have so many names.
0: Yes, they have so many names. Most of them are around boats and gophers, it seems like, which would make sense. All right, last five years, 39 and 20. That's a 66% win percentage. Kurt, that's fifth in the Big Ten over the last five years. With these being PJ Flex years, I'm just saying, last year, 9 and 4, another 9 win season. That is three of the last three. Full years have had nine wins or more. That is all by, of course, head coach PJ Fleck going into his seventh year. Defensive coordinator is back. That's our guy Joe Rossi. Offensive coordinators are new. We got a duo here with Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr. What are we thinking about the 2023 Minnesota
1: Golden Gophers? Well, first of all, my first thought is Page is basically steady Eddie. He just does the same thing every year, which is win for the most part win of course 2019 win big but then you also hear a little grumbling from the from the minnesota fan base well we want to win a little bit more we want uh, some some more 2019 stuff but i also and then you also hear we, we the style of play we we just want a little more from the a little more excitement i if there's ever a year to do it this is the year mm. to change up the style of play I didn't think that's where you were going, but yeah, you you're you're kind of
0: doing a little precursor of what I think uh, I, I see as well. so we must see the same thing. The one thing I would add is PJ is the coach that tons of fans, rival fans and even some of Minnesota's own fans love to hate. okay? You're never gonna catch me defending PJ the dude, okay? I don't think he would be my type of dude. But I I try to look at this stuff as Switzerland as I can. I know I say it all the time in the podcast, probably drives people nuts, but this this is a successful football coach, okay? He has transitioned from where he was at at Western Michigan into the Big Ten. There was a learning curve, and he has been good. His style is different, but when it works,
1: it works. So let's go ahead. But hold on. I will always defend him as a coach. Yes, don't care about how he approaches it. That's up to him and his players and the the fans, etc. But I I can't defend the eyes. Still, I, it just he still doesn't look like the same person to me.
0: And also, can we go back to those awesome, sweet seven, eight year ago uniforms with the maroon? Oh, those ah, were so maroon. good. Oh my god. I, I was watching a 2000. I'm so hard up for football. I was watching the 2013 <laughs> Minnesota Nebraska game. Minnesota won that game at home wearing their home kits, and I took a I took a screenshot because I'm like, look at those beautiful bastards. And then they roll okay. out the black jerseys or that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Gopher fans. I know you're gonna you're, you're annoyed at me for this, but the goofy, gigantic face, golden gopher with his buck teeth. No. I can't take that thing seriously. Like just go back to the block M helmets and the
1: maroon tops and the gold bridges. And, and, and I know what picture you're talking about. And that's when they first rolled out the matte maroon helmet, which by the way, at the time looked fantastic. Now it's kind of dated. I would go back to the gloss, but it sure. doesn't matter. Yeah. Th- those uniforms were gorgeous. And if we did a uniform ranking today about, th- and those included those, they might be number one for me.
0: Wouldn't be number one, but boy, would they be a lot closer to the top one that we had when we did our, our last ranking. All right, let's talk about the numbers on offense if we're going to head that direction. Five returning starters. I'm going to give a little bit more complete uh, stats here. So their total offense was 64th in their country. Their scoring offense was 65th in the country, so really consistent. Here's where the non-consistency was. Rushing 207 yards per game, that's 16th in the country passing 182 yards per game. That's 115th in the country. Kitty! That's the stats he was looking for when he was at Navy. It was essentially, uh, uh, you know, a Naval Academy, whatever, option offense. Don't think that's what it's going to be this year, and it sounds like you're kind of clued into the same thing, Kurt.
1: Yeah, and in fact, just a little precursor, there's that – Stat was a little skewed by the 319 yards that one Ethan Kalyak Manis threw for against Wisconsin in the last game of the season. Yep. Uh, Ethan Manus Manis uh, gone is Tanner Morgan,
0: <clears throat> another person that was on the uh, Nico Ragaini seven year plan. He is finally gone. I don't mean finally in a bad way. That's not how I meant that, but he has moved on. Uh, into uh, uh, different avenues of life. Ethan Gallagmanis is a quarterback that Gopher fans are flat-out geeked for. Our guy Clint Brewster uh, with 24-7 Sports, not very happy with him. He has him ranked as, I think, basically the uh, lowest-ranked quarterback in the Power Five. I don't buy that, okay? But I'm somewhere somewhere in between Gopher fans and, and Clint Brewster, but I am closer to Gopher fans. And one thing I want to say is there was wide receivers that were starting to put up, I don't know about career games, but some of their best games, certainly of the season. And they were happening the last couple games of the year. Why? I don't think it was a gigantic change in the offense. I think it was because Ethan Manis took over the quarterback role and he opened up this passing attack.
1: Yeah. So for me, Pick Six Previews has the Gophers as the ninth rated quarterback room. I think that's about right. Sure. That's good. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, Ethan, a lot of talent, a lot of potential, but unproven. He threw 111 passes last year. By the way, he played in 10 games. So he got right. some decent experience 54%, 946 yards. So it's just, it's hard to judge him super positive or super negative in either way. Absolutely. Uh,
0: and shout out to Cole Kramer. I think he's going to be, uh, I think he's a solid backup. You're going to see a run pass mix with Ethan Manis. Can he stay healthy? That's going to be key. He's going to throw some picks. Okay. I, I could see him having 20, 25 total touchdowns through the air on the ground, maybe more. But I also think he's going to mix in 10, 12 turnovers in there. So buckle up a little bit, go for fans. I think you're going to get some of that. But I think he's going to be excitement from the word go. Let's go ahead and go to the pass catchers. Is that cool, Kurt? Um, yeah. I, and I'll just let you go. I'm I'm curious to see what your thoughts are
1: uh, on the receiving crew. So again, one of these guys, Chris Obna Bell Crab, seventh <laughs> year. <laughs> it's insane. What, what is happening? I mean, that is a pretty long NFL career. Oh, you played seven years. Wow, that is a good. Career. He's doing that Re- in really quick,
0: really quick side note. It's it's tough to transition out of college and college football into real world, dude. That's got to be even tougher. I, I was four and a half years,
1: seven, six and a half, seven years. I don't know, man. That's that's got to be tough. Okay. W- w- one thing I wanted to say: he was recruited by PJ Fleck originally to Western Michigan. <laughs> PJ's going into his seventh year. I mean, it's crazy. He committed. He committed to Western Michigan, and then. <laughs> pj leaves for minnesota so he follows him to minnesota
0: Th- not that's only, incredible
1: when he committed to pj
0: not only did pj have different eyeballs he had almost a full set of hair it was a
1: completely t- different looking pj When, when crab committed. and by the way back then tanner morgan had a full set of hair too <laughs> and crab i by the way i think it's from kankakee which is a short drive for me okay uh, so we got Elijah Spencer from Charlotte. He was the Conference USA freshman of the year. Uh, 2021, I think uh, almost 2,000 or almost 1,000 yards, both in 2021 and 2022. We got Corey Crooms from where? Western Michigan. You got Daniel Jackson coming back, the guy that was flashing at the end of last year, Lemeke Brockington. And then at tight end, Brevin Spanford. There's a lot of options here. And suddenly you got this guy. With a howitzer that can get the ball out to him. And I this throw in, is yeah, going to be a completely
0: different offense than what we've been seeing. I believe so. And throwing Jameson, grind my gears, uh, the other tight end, especially with Daniel Jackson and Lamecky Brockington. I was watching some games from Minnesota at the end of the year and I'm like, man, I forgot about those two flashing. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you know what? I think they had in, uh, uh uh, in in common with each other, it was because there was a change in quarterback. I, I'm sorry, Tanner, but, like, there were certain parts of this offense that came alive, and I think it's because of Ethan Manis The other part that I think is going to switch up, because it has to, is the style of the rushing attack. I don't think you can have Mo slam up behind the big physical, hat-on-hat offensive line. This should be more of, I would think, a zone blocking scheme for running back Sean Tyler and Zach Evans with the. Where's Sean uh, Tyler from? uh, He was from Western Michigan, of course. Western Michigan. That's right. It's insane. So uh, Ryan Burns, shout out to our guy, Ryan Burns and other Gopher fans are extremely high on Sean Tyler. Uh, Excuse me, Sean. uh, Yeah, Sean Tyler. Tyler, I, 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 I don't. I, he's not your bell cow, okay but he's your lightning in a bottle it is going to be very interesting to see how, they have been you know one, you know mo or or whomever i mean they just absolutely overwhelm you with the amount of carries by one or two backs they're gonna have to spread this around now uh, throw yeah, bryce williams out there too it is yeah. gonna be interesting to see like do they have roles or is it each guy kind of gets his shot in the game to yeah. see if he's got the hot hand. It's going to be very
1: intriguing to see how that works out. All right, so Bryce Williams, he's been around forever. Do you realize this is our first Eyes on Big season without Mo? That's sad because I he's tell you a, what, he was a true fresh. He was a true freshman wow. in 2018, our first season. Yeah, um,
0: and you know the same shout out that I gave to Jack Campbell. A lot of Minnesota fans would probably give that same shout-out to Mo Ibrahim. One of my favorite Big Ten backs, honestly, of all time. One of my favorite dudes, you know, just in the Big Ten. He's Fair. definitely on the Mount Rushmore of, of gopher running backs. But we'll see. We'll see how the uh, running back by committee goes. Offensive line is a work in progress. But I think we have, we have faith in P.J. and
1: crew that they'll figure something out. Well, they usually do figure something out. But I guess if I'm looking down the offense, I I'm not saying that the running backs are highly ranked, you know, in terms of where they stack up in the Big Ten. But that's not my concern. I'm not concerned about the running backs. I'm concerned about this offensive line. You got a couple guys coming back. Other than that, you got a bunch of. Unproven guys, the good news is they're kind of old. These unproven yes. guys have been around for a while, so at least they're not going to be true freshmen tripping over their own feet. We got a gigantic step back at center, uh, and as
0: an Iowa fan, I know what that feels like, but I think Nathan Bowe will be fine. Ariante Ursay and Quinn Carroll are both solid guys, but the other guard spot, perha- perhaps a tackle spot, you know, two guard spots, backups, it is going to be, In my opinion, a work in progress. The offensive line that you're going to see against Nebraska is not the same offensive line that you're going to see versus Iowa later in the year. It is going to be a big deal to see how this moves around. But in the end, this is going to look different. We're talking about outside zones. You know, we could be – I wonder if we're going to have, Kurt, you know, wide receivers in motion and kind of more spread rolling out the quarterback – Uh, You're and certainly a high, uh, a a run to pass ratio that is closer to 50 50 than I mean,
1: literally 70 30, like they've been the last couple years. Yeah. So, one of the things that I love doing is when we break down a game, how how many, what was the time of possession for Minnesota? And did they break 40 minutes? And pick six previous pointed out last year four times over 40 minutes of possession. So, this offense for me this year i'm gonna call it dr strange peach or <laughs> how i stopped worrying and learned to not love killing the clock
0: i did think i didn't think we get a stanley Kubrick reference in this podcast but oh man it's been too long since i've seen that movie Kurt, i might have to i might have to dial that one up pretty soon all right nice work my man nope, okay no
1: fighting in the war
0: room remember that uh peter sellers oh my gosh under, yes, I mean greatest. just one of the greatest, one of the greatest uh uh performance of all time. Okay. Moving on to the defense, we it's four two five defense. It's still kind of the Joe Rossi no name defense. It is with that being said. I mean, uh cornerback Justin Wally and safety Tyler Newbin, very good. I mean, very stalwart Big Ten defensive backs, but if we move back to the defensive line. We got names, Kurt. I got We got names we could throw at each other. I'm kind of curious what you think this defensive line is going to look like.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of confidence in Rossi because Rossi going to Rossi. But there's still a lot of work to be done. I think he's going to get it done. But, yeah, it's just – Newbin's great. Wally's great. Those are the two names on this defense. Nose Tech Kyler Baugh, Danny Strigout, defensive end. Devin Eastern is another one. And then they get another Clemson transfer. This worked out before for them, Darnell Jeffries. So they've got some pieces there to play with. It, it could be, it could be solid. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be bad.
0: jaw Joyner, JLR, Logan Richter. Um, I, I I think it will probably look a lot like last year, which is stout against the run, but, Pass rush was an yeah, issue. Pass right. rush was an issue. And I I I don't know what I'm looking at right now to see that vastly improve, but I would think that would be
1: one of the number one goals. Well, and that's that's uh, something that you can criticize Rossi for. Boye Mafe got after the quarterback a little bit, but the, other than that, have they really had a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks? Not that I remember. No, 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 they have not. Moving in the second level, uh,
0: Cody Lindbergh is a fan favorite um, he might be a little bit higher up on what the fans think about him than what opposing offensive coordinators think about him. With that being said, you definitely are happy to see Cody Lindbergh in the middle of your defense. But outside of that, Devin Williams, Ryland, Ryan Seelig, we got a Maverick in there. It It is a it is a mystery on who the two starting linebackers and then the depth is going to be.
1: Yeah. Again, it's just Russ. He's got to do what he normally does. Take the these move... guys and, and patch them together and, and do something great with them, which he's been doing. He's been doing. And and again, I mean, I think we're making it
0: clear. We believe Joe Rossi will patch this together as well as it can be patched. I just don't know if I see enough to patch together to make this a another great defense. I, I, well, I think know. it's
1: it's going to be a step back from what they did last year.
0: Correct, correct. And that's a shout-out to how good this defense was last year, too. As far as the secondary, uh, we've already talked about cornerback Justin Wally, Tariq Watson, we got Nickelback, Jack Henderson. So I I, I see a good front line for cornerbacks and, and safeties with Tyler Newbin and Darius Green. I think we get thin pretty quickly, and this is a position group that – is a concern, but it becomes a big concern if, if injuries
1: hit. Sure. I mean, you can't afford to lose Newman and Wally.
0: Nope. They're, they're absolutely huge. Those are guys that you very quickly get out of games that you think you've already got under control. Special teams. The only way they're special in Minnesota is especially bad. Typically now they had a good kicker last year, finally. And now he's immediately gone.
1: Right. Yeah. Just, I guess, on special teams, just don't be special.
0: Yes. <laughs> just try to not, it's like it's like an official in a basketball game. You just don't want to notice them. Hopefully Correct. that's the case. Punter Mark Crawford. I don't know what to say. Kicker
1: Dragon Kessage. We have to come well, up with a at a least pun. he's got a solid name. <laughs> is... Dragon the Dr- Dragon. I don't know if Dragon Kessage is a good kicker name. Sounds like more of
0: a I could go with a punter. I, I could go with a punter dragon, but see how that works out. All right. Moving in to the schedule. Hide the Minnesota women and children, Kurt. <laughs> this is a very tough schedule. And I got to say, PJ is doing exactly what he needs to do, which is saying this is an opportunity. Look at the opportunity we have with this schedule. Kurt, that's the only card he can play, and he's playing it because there ain't no way around it. This is, if Michigan sure, State get- is the toughest schedule, this is the second
1: toughest schedule probably in the Big Ten. I mean, they get Michigan granted at home, Michigan State granted at home, Ohio State on the road. Doesn't get much worse than that. Good news is manageable start to the season. Yeah, um, but
0: at Iowa, Wisconsin, and home also at North Carolina. So if we're starting out in September, okay, they do have a shot, right? They have
1: got a very realistic shot to be five and zero. Do do you think they I'm could crazy? be five and zero? Okay. And, and and if I had to predict, I would say they go four and one. Four
0: and one would be my prediction. Nebraska at home, Eastern Michigan at North Carolina, at Northwestern and Louisiana. Something's got to go wrong to lose to Northwestern, Louisiana, and Eastern uh, at home. The last two being at home. The two more closer games are Nebraska to start the year with, which started too high, by the way, at like eight, eight and a half. It's dropped down to six and a half. That Northwestern or that uh, excuse me, that North Carolina game in Chapel Hill, I am so geeked. I, I put out a most intriguing games list. This was my number two game. I, I can't wait to see. It's still going to be a different style of play, you know. Uh, interesting that this is where Phil Longo was at just last year. So, is mm-hmm. the new coordinator kind of taking on some of the Phil Longo stuff that that Minnesota gets a look at in this game? Many people think that's the second best quarterback in the country they're going against. I cannot wait. And then we got a tough little situation. We play Michigan at home, an idle week, and then go to Kinnick. If they can get a win out of those two games, that would be incredible. Easier game at home with Michigan State, but in comes Beetle, the gopher killer for Illinois, has yet to lose a game as a head coach to the Minnesota Golden Gophers.
1: Oh, my Lord. You forget about that. They just... No, I I don't forget about it. I and you know why I don't forget about it? I get reminded constantly by Gophers fans. Yeah, and, and it it drives them nuts uh, at Purdue, at Ohio State,
0: and then the the uh, hated Wisconsin Badgers at home. What do you have for scariest game of the year? Okay, scariest game. What do
1: I got here? Scariest game. Okay, I'm going with at Iowa. Because he still hasn't done it yet. Hmm. Okay. Um. I mean, how many times are you going to get beat by Iowa? So I guess what you're
0: saying is it would be scary that the streak continues against Iowa at Kinnick yes. and whatnot. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think PJ would look at that more as an opportunity game. Uh, mm. My scariest game of of the year is, dude. I think it's hands down Nebraska. Um. They yeah. lose to Matt Rule. His first game coaching losing to nebraska fans the the rivalry on twitter that has come about of of nebraska and minnesota fans is is pretty potent so got to win that guess, game
1: if you're pj yeah i guess the reason i didn't pick that first game for rule i don't see pj losing that game interesting okay i just don't. i think minnesota's going to win don't get me wrong but
0: you got to entertain the thought that a new a newish quarterback a lot of new faces that that could go Nebraska's way, which would be painful for Minnesota. Biggest game, I actually have Iowa for the biggest game. Um, you're coming off an idle week. You're going down to Kinnick. You've been oh so close to beating Iowa in Kinnick, at home, whatnot. That's the biggest game because I feel like that can give them the momentum
1: to have something big to finish as they work through the rest of the fall. I can see that. But the biggest game is Wisconsin. Number one because it's Wisconsin. Number two, because of how hard the schedule is. Maybe projecting a little bit here, but you could potentially be playing for a bowl game that last week. Could be. Absolutely. I like I like Wisconsin. Definitely, definitely a candidate. To me, it's either Wisconsin
0: or Iowa. Curb stomp Uh go ahead. You go ahead and go do curb stomp first.
1: Nebraska. I don't see them losing to Nebraska.
0: Wow, you are you are that confident in that yes. game? Okay, we got a little bit different read on that game. Listen, curb stomp could definitely be Northwestern. It's at home. They curb stomp Michigan State bad last year on the road. That could be the curb stomp. I got a fun curb stomp for you. What happens if they travel out east and take that ACC team mm. and just take them behind the woodshed and whoop them? Would I mean, that'd that be, be fun. Be, would that and, be and, fun to see? And
1: here's what I will say pj's really good at that he's really he is great in bowl games he is great at playing power five non-conference teams i there are
0: there is a there's both a quiet confidence and a loud confidence out of minnesota fans with that north carolina game i'm not i'm not gonna rain on their parade because it could happen and i'm gonna be excited to see if, if they can make it so over under
1: vegas has it set at seven what are you thinking Yeah, I hate these whole numbers. It's always tough when you do that. And I I don't feel great about this, but I do think it's a little bit of a rebuilding year with Calliak Manis being in his first year, offensive line, not being able to lean on the running game like they're used to. So I'm going under here. Seven's a great number. You're right uh, with the halves and whatnot. Um, This
0: is not a... uh, I'm going under as well. This is not me admonishing Minnesota... As a program or PJ as a coach, I think they could be darn near as good as they were last year. Okay, because they got their ninth win in the bowl. Right. And these are just regular season game totals. So they won eight games last year. I think they could be very close to the quality of football uh, team they had last year, but finish a game or two under simply because of the step up in that schedule. That's what Big Curt and I think about the 2023 Minnesota Golden Gophers. Let's hear from our resident gopher expert, Ryan Burns, with Minnesota 24-7 and Gopher Illustrated. Take it away, Ryan.
4: Yeah, this is Ryan Burns from Gopher Illustrated. Big eyes listener here. Uh, you, When you want to look at The Minnesota win total this year, seven wins. I think it makes a lot of sense because it comes down to how does the offense continue to evolve in a post-Mo Ibrahim era? There's going to be a lot of expectations on Ethan Calliak-Manus. I know the national media isn't particularly high on him. I think he's the most physically talented quarterback they've had in the 12 years that I've covered the team. Now, does that mean he's going to be great from the moment go against Nebraska? Absolutely not. It's not going to be linear for him this year. There's going to be ebbs. There's going to be flows. But I just believe enough in what I've seen out of him the last 12 months to think that this offense is going to continue to evolve into more of a passing offense. I'm not saying that they're going to be Jeff Brom and company. They're probably going to throw the ball 27, 28 times a game, whereas last year they threw it 20 to 21. So when you have that kind of an increase, I think there's something usually behind that. And then defensively, It's still a Joe Rossi defense, one of the best on third down, one of the best in terms of scoring, one of the best in terms of limiting explosive plays. Yes, there's a couple guys gone like Jordan Howden among others back there, but you still have some stars like Justin Wally and Tyler Newbin, and I think Cody Lindenberg is going to come into his own as well. But for me, this year kind of comes down to the coin flip games, the Iowas, the Wisconsins, the Illinois. How does Minnesota do in their coin flip games? Because I can see a range of outcomes from six wins, to nine wins, but it comes down to how quickly can Nathan calliak McManus continue to acclimate to the big 10? And how does Minnesota's defense try and combat some of the best quarterback slates that they have faced in the PJ Fleck era? Because when you got Drake, May, JJ McCarthy and company on the docket, it's going to look a lot different than previous years.
0: That brings us to the last team on this podcast, the 2023 Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Shout out to our guy, Brick, B-R-I-C-C. And, also, Aaron Brightman uh at Aaron Brightman B-R-E-I-T-M-A-N. Aaron's got a great podcast, Rutgers podcast. And uh might be hearing from him later in the podcast. One thing that Aaron wanted to say uh in his fan spot that he forgot to and he wanted to express it. So I'm gonna express it for him here. We're not going anywhere, Big Ten. We're still in the Big Ten. And and I just want to say the relegation
1: stuff. I don't like this talk. Uh, Okay. Oh God, these people, like, stop watching soccer. Uh, Thank you. This isn't soccer. Shut up.
0: And I feel the same way, and I understand that Rutgers is struggling. Okay, we're going to go over the numbers here. I'm
1: not done. It's not English soccer. That's freaking English soccer. Get over it.
0: I agree. I, I hate it. I hate the relegation talk. And I would say there's some fans talking smack about Rutgers and Northwestern for relegation, you better watch your ass, people, because if you're not one of the top programs, you could be one of the programs that gets right. sucked down in the relegation crap, too. So I, I think how, people are okay. being way too cavalier
1: about that stuff. Let's look at Michigan State, how the high highs they've had and the low lows. Imagine being a Michigan State fan. Ooh, a couple bad seasons, relegated, boom, gone.
0: Like I said, and I'm not saying Michigan State fans are the ones I've heard it from it's painted the board we've got it's so stupid. we've got current pack 12 teams that haven't even joined the big 10 that are talking smack about Rutgers. come on but, now, folks. You, you gotta at least join the big 10 before you can join the conversation
1: and, and by the way good pull with aaron brightman and good pull with ryan burns on the previous segment thank you very much all yeah right. all right
0: uh last five years 15 and 43 28 winning percentage that's last in the Big 10. That's not great. Last season 4 and 8. Who do we got? We got Greg Shiano technically entering his 15th season in Piscataway with obviously the the little break in between. Defensive coordinator's coming back Joe Herresmic. Offensive coordinator, a guy that we might know, Kirk Shiraka, uh right over from two teams <laughs> that we've broke down in this podcast, Minnesota before that Penn State, before that Minnesota. Um, last year he's trying to improve on these numbers from last year, is what I'm saying. Five returning starters, 282 yards per game. That was 126th, scoring offense, 17.4 points per game. That was 123rd in the country. You know what the main difference between Iowa's offense and Rutgers' offense last year, Kurt? All right, Iowa didn't get to play Wagner. <laughs> because <laughs> if you didn't have those Wagner stats that Rutgers was able to rack up, okay. their stats okay. would this this probably was one of or at least tied for the worst offense in the Big Ten. What do we think we can see from this offense and in general from the Rutgers Scarlet Knights?
1: Okay, we we know we both love shiano But the offense has been pathetic. That's what I want to talk about. Let's see some offense. You you have to show something offensively. you got to bust a grape this year. This year. If you don't do it this year, he's definitely on the hot seat. If not, if the offense is this bad, again, I could see them firing Shiana. Yeah, I I would... I would say it'd have to be a combination
0: of just a putrid offense with a putrid overall record. Okay. If that's the
1: case, yep. But hold on. So I know you said returning starters five and seven, but returning production, offense 36, defense 31st. So they actually have a lot coming back. Now they're low on talent. But to me, this is a year where we see how well Shiano has done developing the talent that he has. Yes. He's he's gotten his shot, so let's see it now. No more four and eight. We got to make a bowl game this year, and it's got to look better. And I believe if my math's correct, this is his fourth year at
0: Rutgers in the Big Ten. It was his fourth year in his first stint with Rutgers when they jumped up. Okay, and and had a big year. Now, I don't think we see that, but can it just look better? Let's start with the offensive line. That's what needs to look better right right from the get go. To me, you you have to by middle of the season and you would actually think through September, feel good that the offensive line looks better. I don't know if I'm seeing it here from what I have on the the page, but there's a few
1: there's a few pieces. Okay, so decent base. You got three returning starters here Holland Pierce. He's going to move out to left tackle, guard Curtis Dunlap, transfer from Minnesota. You got center Ireland Brown. So there are pieces. You do have a new offensive line coach here. His name is Pat Flaherty. So that this is one of the big keys to this entire season. It's one of the big keys to Shiano's second stint in Piscataway for me. Well, actually, isn't
0: our offensive line coach Bob Bostad over from Wisconsin? Or maybe they're kind of team. up. Is, but that's Indiana. That's India. That's Indiana. Excuse me, my bad. So we got a new offensive line coach. Kind of the same feel for Indiana Rutgers there a little bit with the <laughs> offensive line. Um, but yeah, we we have got an offensive line that drastically needs to improve. Pieces are there. I hope that it improves because I do see a, a running back duo here that you can feel yeah. good about because. Sam Brown is damn good. I mean, he is a dang good running back, and we love the fun guy, Kyle Manung guy. He also has excitement, too. So, the, if this offensive line, because I think the number one thing that they want to do is establish a rushing attack, right? This is Kirk okay. Shiraka. This, the, right? This is Kirk Shiraka and Gray Shiano. You have to okay. have that offensive line get
1: these running backs going. Okay. So, we always talk about pairing a spare. They've got a spare, Aaron Young. Is the spare? Yep, he's an older guy. They've got three running backs here. By the way, Sam Brown, the fifth, who wears number five. Way to go, Sam Brown! Great choice and numbers there. So yeah, I think you know you you got some pieces on the offensive line. You got the mm-hmm. the running backs, and they definitely need to lean into that running game. And why is that, Kurt? Well, uh, Gavin Wimsat is a talented guy. But that was a dramatic, well,
0: very, 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 very well placed right there. We don't I feel great. We don't question. feel great about the
1: passing attack. No, we don't feel great about it. And, and here's the thing. Gavin Wimsat, can he throw a slant? shraka loves the slant. You, you know, RPO, you know, what is the linebacker doing? Hand it off, pull it and throw to the, the slant. Can he throw a slant the way that Tanner Morgan did in 2019? And... And by the way, the other guys are Evan Simon and freshman of Johnny Shepard. I, I don't
0: think that's who record fans want to see this year. It, it pretty much has to be Gavin Wimsett. Here's my thing. Whatever it takes. Like, you know, with sometimes with quarterbacks, you got to be nervous. You're not overrunning them or putting them in harm's way. Throw caution to the wind with Gavin Wimsett. He got into a rhythm. I don't know if you remember, but he got into a rhythm versus Michigan last year. Yeah, And I it do. was like yeah. a run pass mix that Gavin got going. That's what it's got to look like, and he's got to be willing to run the ball on second downs, second and sevens, because they need to be consistently in manageable downs, and I think his legs are going to be one of the biggest ways to get him there.
1: Yeah, and Rutgers is used to playing seven quarterbacks in the game, so Gavin yeah. gets hurt, just put the next guy in there. Absolutely. The receiving core is not... A strength, uh,
0: as far as looking at it against Big Ten talent. Um, Nassim Brantley, he's an FCS transfer in. Jaquay Jackson is a D2 transfer in. There, I don't know who the pass catchers are going to be, but somebody's going to have to step up and stay healthy. Rashad Rochelle, he's their gadget
1: guy from Springfield, Illinois. Rochelle Rochelle. Ro- <laughs> a young woman's strange erratic journey from Milan to Minsk. Tight ends, Sean Bowman and a Big Ten stalwart,
0: our guy Johnny Langdon. He's also line, I feel like, on the seven-year plan. Yeah, he's, he's definitely
1: yeah. on that plan for sure. Yep.
0: Switching into the defense. Now we're into a strength. This is a good defense. Kurt, I think this, I think this is a good defense. I think yep. it was a good defense last year. Th- 37th ranked defense, 94th. Points allowed putting more of that blame on the offense because
1: between the twenties, this yep. defense was dang good. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, and it's a shadow defense. Again, they have the 31st most returning production in the country, which is pretty solid. Um, By the way, one of the most improved last year, according to pick six previews. And I, I do expect that to continue this year the, where, where they struggled, and this could change with the new DC this year, dead last in red zone defense, hundred fourth in turnovers. So that those are the kind of things I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think there's pieces here to be solid. So if you can have a solid defense, if you can have a solid running game, you can win football games. And that's what they're enough good. to go.
3: Yeah, enough that's to what
1: go. to
0: That's what they're going to try to do. The defense was good enough. They got blitzed by the big boys. You know, they just kind of got run over, especially at the end of the year. But, man, defensive end Aaron Lewis, uh, he's going to get drafted. I mean, this is a really good defensive end. Wesley Bailey is also very good. Defensive tackles, we got question marks. We'll see what happens there. Linebackers, Kurt. these are also very good. Jennings and Powell. They're good. Yeah. You know, like I, I know it's names that Big Ten fans maybe don't know. And then also you got Moses Walker parting the seas after his ACL, unfortunately parted
1: last year. So he is back. Uh, so that's another gonna, big. Yep, I'm going to throw out a nickname for him. He's a four star, by the way. He's Moses Fleetwood Walker. Anybody knows that reference. Hit me up. I want to hear if any of our listeners know Moses Fleetwood Walker. I'm not going to be able to hit you up because that
0: one gained speed as it went over my head. Okay, and we got Mo Touré, another linebacker. Cornerbacks, I think they're good as well. Max Melton is very good. I think it's another guy that's going to get drafted. Robert Longerbeam on my all definitely definitely on my all name team right there. Absolutely, but uh, they're going to need they're going to need some depth here. And then they've they've lost both of their safeties, so. Kind of down the middle, I've got issues. Defensive tackle and safeties. Uh, so we'll see if Flip Dixon over from Minnesota, got another uh, Minnesota guy. And Desmond Igbenusom, another safety that they're hoping to step up. But the, the defense can be good if it's given a chance. Special, special teams, do we, do we pour one out for Adam Karsak? I don't know what we're
1: supposed to do here. Absolutely. In fact, again, like Mo Ibrahim, this will be the first Eyes on Big season. Without Adam Korsak punting at Rutgers. It's a sad day. And I'm shedding a
0: tear right now. Absolutely. He was absolutely a blast to watch. Blast to follow on Twitter, or maybe it was his mom. Um, but an all-time Big Ten great. The punters knew there's a kicker competition. I don't know what to tell you with the special teams. We'll see what happens there. Moving over to the schedule. Listen, it's, it's a tough schedule, partly because... You know, we're not projecting Rutgers to have a big year. Uh, with that being said, dude, I, I, they could start four and one. Okay, and and to to you know to foreshadow here a little bit, their season total is four. They've got four winnable games right. in in the month of September. Do do you not think so? No, I absolutely agree. Okay. For sure. So, and then, you know, we've got Michigan at Wisconsin, at Iowa, Ohio State at Penn State, Maryland. I mean, these are all very tough games. I think the winnable games are certainly North, as far as Big Ten uh, uh, games, are Northwestern, Michigan State, and and at Indiana. So essentially, can you go 3-0 out of conference? Can you beat all three of those teams to surprise and shock the whole world to get to a bowl game? I mean, it's it's really putting it out there but somewhere in between 3 to 6 wins is where you 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 kind of see that them being um i'll let you go ahead and start what do you, what do you got for scariest game
1: scariest game is northwestern if I you lose this. northwestern how how can you ever beat this win total how can you make a ball game I've, I've got the exact same thing. You you have got
0: to win the game. Uh, all eyes are going to be on you as well. I don't know if you know, but that's a, that's a noon game on s- that Sunday of Labor Day weekend. So you can't lose that game at home, and you don't want to lose that game at home in front of everybody. I guarantee you that one is keeping Shiano up at least a little bit. What do you got for uh, biggest game? Biggest
1: game is Northwestern.
0: I... I I thought about putting Northwestern down. You're you're probably correct. I I did put Virginia Tech down here because I, I'm going to make a quick assumption that they beat Northwestern and then beat Temple. Okay, if you beat Virginia Tech, you you get deeper into the season with the thoughts that you can make a bowl. So that's why I have them there. Curb Stomp might surprise some people here, but okay, I think they're going to curb Stomp Wagner. Okay definitely have the ability to curb stomp Northwestern and Temple boy I'm gonna piss the mean green fans off here but could they could they curb stomp Michigan State at at home where they're catching Michigan State now when I say curb stomp I mean 28 to 17. <laughs> okay I'm not talking but can they can they convincingly beat Michigan State wow yeah I like Surprising. it surprise you there my curb stomp Northwestern. Got it. <laughs> you had the Wildcats for all three. All three of them. I tell you what, it's I don't I'm not gonna fight you on that at all. Uh season total set at four. Second year in a row, by the way, it's set at four. What are you thinking?
1: Okay, so you got Northwestern Temple, Virginia Tech, Wagner. I really think they win all four of those games. Okay. I think they can win one more. I'm going over.
0: Wow. Okay. Surprising you a little bit. All right. I'm a little bit nervous about the Virginia Tech game. Um, it's at home, so that's that's great. So I'm not writing that one off as a win as much as you. So, like, I think it could be a struggle to get to four. Four's the number, by the way. I mean, I don't like this either way. But if if you put a gun to my head, I I, I think I would go under with with this one. I'm a I'm really concerned about the the ability of the offense to not only move the ball but put points. On the board. But hey, that's just what Curt and I think. Let's hear from a real Rutgers fan. Yes, there are real Rutgers fans and they enjoy being the Big Ten. Here's one right here Aaron Brightman.
5: Eyes on big listeners. This is Aaron Brightman of the Scarlet Faithful with a quick preview for Rutgers football in 2023. There is reason for optimism in Piscataway. There's improved depth, improved talent on the roster. Obviously, offensively Rutgers has to make great improvement new offensive coordinator Kirk Scirocco they have Sam Brown now healthy at running back showed real flashes last year the real question is can Gavin Wimsatt develop at quarterback an unproven receiving core if the offense can just be decent Rutgers has a shot to make a bowl game this year their defense has more depth had a really good year last year at times wore down a little bit but I'm really high on the Rutgers defense, Aaron Lewis is a name to watch in the Big Ten as one of the best on the defensive line. Ultimately, how they start September, they have a chance to go 4-1 and one with games at home, Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech, and Wagner. If Rutgers can win all four games, I feel good about a bowl game. Otherwise, it's going to be a hard climb. Ultimately, I think they fall a little bit short, and they finish 5-7 and seven this year. But definitely reason for optimism in the future for Rutgers football.
0: All right, guys and big listeners, that gives us to the end of this podcast. We had the Penn State and Italy Lions, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. We are now 12 of 14 teams down, Kirk, with only the Michigan Wolverines and Purdue Boilermakers ready to go. How are you feeling, man?
1: I mean, I'm feeling okay. I've, I've got a few, uh, few fingers of whiskey in me, so I'm doing well. I have Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on
0: Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.